You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions, and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Peter Joniak, co-founder and president of The Jonas Group, a staffing firm specializing in the insurance industry. Pete, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Laura. Thanks for the invite today. Now, tell us a little bit about The Jonas Group. What's your elevator pitch? Well, Laura, we are an insurance-specific staffing firm operating throughout the United States. We specialize in placing people in the insurance industry in both permanent and temporary roles and work with carriers, TPAs, wholesalers, and brokers. All right. So tell me, what is your favorite part of your job and why? Well, the most favorite part of my job has been over the years, the growth, basically seeing the growth of the people who come into the Jonas Group. You see multiple people come in from all walks of life, whether it's coming out of school, different parts of the industry, different parts of sales or recruiting. And as they join the company and progress and grow, it's something like no other. I mean, seeing their lives change, their professional nature change, their growth and maturity, or none, that's probably the best part of the job. Tell me about one of the big issues of the day and how you have to adjust your approach when you personally are talking to different key stakeholder groups about it. Well, big issue of the day, I mean, if you look on the news right now, and if anybody's turned on the TV in the last few months, what do you see? You see inflation, recession. So the big R words out there, everybody's afraid. So there has to be an adjustment. And, you know, talking to the different stakeholders, so first our clients, our clients might hear that and hear recession. And so they slow down hiring, but the insurance marketplace hasn't changed any yet. I mean, the recession that we're seeing or any layoffs that we're experiencing or seeing are over in the tech market. They're not in the insurance market. So we have to counsel our employers and let them know that there's still scarcity in the market. There's still a lot of people that have a lot of options. There's still a lot of employers looking. So they might want to take their time in anticipation of the oncoming recession, but at the same time, they're losing out on great candidates. They're losing out on great talent. Now, on the other side of it, we have to start talking to our candidates and letting them know that employers are taking longer to make a decision and that they had, they should be more patient, but there's plenty of opportunities that are available. And certainly internally talking to our recruiters, letting them know that, you know, we just have to look at the key indicators and that's the jobs that we produce on a, a weekly basis. And that really hasn't tailed off at all. So there are still a lot more jobs than there are candidates in the market. It's the supply demand side when you're working with both in some ways, I would imagine is, is a kind of an interesting place to be. A lot of people tend to be on one side or the other. They're looking strictly for the, the candidates or the candidates looking strictly for the jobs. And you've got that both. So you're having to acknowledge the reality experienced by people on both sides of the line. That's the unique thing about what we do as recruiters. You know, working uh, as a third party recruiter, you're dealing with both and you're trying to manage expectations all along the way. So that's what, you know, what I'm doing, what, what we're doing here at Jonas is we're ensuring that both parties 
are always aware of what's happening in the marketplace. Yes, that finding that balance between the two. Now, in doing all of this, who's the toughest audience that you ever had to get through to? The toughest audience, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back a little bit. And that, that was going to my staff when COVID hit. So, you know, COVID hit, it, it came on us relatively fast. And as that happened, all of a sudden you see the jobs that were coming into the company. I mean, at any given point, any given week, we're bringing in over 100 jobs a week throughout the United States. At that point, we had dropped down to nine jobs brought in for the entire company. Wow. So the drop-off was significant and immediate. Yeah. And when that happened, you know, at the same time, we had to gauge, okay, you know, what's our next step here for the company? And we have the local government, locality telling us that we have to send people home. And this is locally everywhere because you are you are a national company. So it's every local government telling you to, to send people home, not just where your headquarters is, I would assume. Is that correct? No. So we can jump to this a little later. But at that point, we had everybody in the office. We weren't national. It's because okay. of COVID that we are national now. Interesting. Okay. So yes, that turned out to be a the one positive thing that came out of COVID is it allows us to grow. But just to clarify, you were pre-COVID, your recruiters were local, but your clients were national or your clients were also local primarily. No, our clients were national. At that okay. Point. So it was national as far as scope, but the employee's location was, all, was centrally located. That was correct. Okay. That got it. Correct. Got it. Got it. All of our recruiters at that point were in the Wayne PA office. Okay. So we got the notification that everybody had to go home because of COVID. We did have the capabilities for people to work from home. So it wasn't a difficult transition from that aspect of things. But to go in, to talk to our employees, to assure them that we were going to do any and everything possible to ensure that nobody was let go, to do everything we could to work through it, and at that point, you know, we knew we had enough capital to make it a certain length of time and be just fine. But the big question mark for everyone at that point was, how long is this going to last? No one knew if it was going to last weeks or months, a year, years or more. So there was a lot of uncertainty at that point. So to go in and in a confident manner, let everybody know that you know, we have all intentions of keeping everybody here employed, that we're going to move forward and figure this out together. And then we'd had to adjust. You know, we had to have everybody go home. We had to learn how to do meetings in a much different way, how to communicate with our, our teams in a much different manner and move forward. And it turned out to be a blessing in disguise as far as that goes. I say that relatively lightly because I know a lot of people lost loved ones during COVID. But the transition what happened is we saw that our team could go home and could work effectively, could work together and could kind of pull together and make it through. Yes. So allaying fears is, is a real important piece to keep people from kind of panicking and, and freaking out and running away in one way, shape or form. So how to keep the, the ship afloat emotionally and financially, it sounds like. Yes. Yes. It was a difficult time, but a time of learning, a time of growth. It was just tremendous to see the recruiters and the, the staff and the team members and everyone pull together and helping one another, you know, and really chipping in. 
What's an important lesson you learned when you went from being an individual contributor to leading your first team? I had to learn to trust others for the success of the company. Tell me more about that. So at that point, I was an individual contributor and I knew my capabilities. I knew what I could do. I knew the amount of revenue I could drive in, depending on the amount of time I spent. You were a recruiter at the time? I was a recruiter at the time. So I knew how much control that I had. And I knew I could pay the bills just fine. And I knew at that point we could support one or two recruiters. But as I was growing the company, in order to go to that next step, in order to be able to step away from that role as an individual contributor, I had to be able to trust multiple recruiters to be able to accomplish and grow this company. So, you know, it was a lot to contend with at that time. And I realized that they pull your time away, the recruiters would, you know. But as you spend time, if you mentor the right way, I took the time, I made sure that I put the building blocks in place to help the recruiters take the steps as they came along. So it wasn't, I wasn't kind of throwing them to the fire at that point. I was guiding them along. I still had certain parts of control in dealing with clients and I would give them candidates. I would start to hand off clients slowly. Oh, there was a lot of learning, you know, as we kind of progressed through those periods, but trust overall was the main thing that I had to contend with because when you're no longer in control, you know, on the day to day, certainly I could jump in and help out when needed, but the recruiters that we brought in at that point, they were the ones having the conversation. They were the ones gaining the information and knowledge on the day-to-day from the candidates and then later on from the clients. So as you continue to advance within the firm, from that point on, I have been constantly replacing myself. That's the key. Okay, so the trust is, it's not so much about trusting the integrity of the person as far as the honesty or you know the personal. It sounds like what I'm hearing is that you began just as a one or two man enterprise of sorts, but then, so you were in charge of everything. You were both doing the back office business development stuff, but also in the trenches, doing the actual business, the, the recruiting and the selling and all those pieces. So then as you expanded and were hiring people to do stuff that you used to do, the trust is, can they do this task? Can they do this work as well as I know I would have? Because if you can't hand it off to them, then there's no point in doing this. You're just going to be doing it all at the same time, chief cook and bottle washer and all that at the same time. Am I hearing this correctly? You took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say the same thing. Chief cook and bottle washer. Absolutely. (laughs) Because at that point, not only was I recruiting, driving candidates and clients, I was also doing all the networking. I was running to Best Buy, getting computers. We were doing any and everything as far as operations went, HR, reaching out to the attorneys, the contracts. I mean, when you're starting a business at that point, 
you have to do everything. You have to do any and everything. So it's a great point that you bring up. It's not just the recruiters that you have to trust. You have to trust also the people that you're bringing in for operations, you know, to be able to handle that and support your team the right way. So yes, and it's worked out. I mean, it's worked out rather well, I, I have to say. You developed that trust. Yeah, it was great learning, but I have ultimate trust now with the people around me. You know, I, I trust when they come in that, you know, I let them do their jobs. It's kind of like, I think Steve Jobs said it. I, I might misquote it, but bring in great people and get out of the way. Basically hire great talent and, and let them do what they're supposed to do. That's a great quote. You hire great people and get out of your own way, get out of their way for that matter. Let them do their job, what you hired them to do. Love it. Now, do you have for us a particular challenge? Because Pete, it is time for the listener 24-hour influence challenge. Your turn to talk to the audience directly and challenge them to take one step that they can complete within 24 hours to have more influence. How would you like to challenge our listeners today? Well, I make it easy on our listeners. I think the easiest thing you can do is to look around you. It, it can be any part of life. It doesn't have to be business. Reach out and show appreciation to the people around you that you have not shown appreciation to. Reach out and say thank you. Say, I appreciate you. Say, I, you know, and I'll start it off by saying, Laura, I, I appreciate you inviting me to this podcast today. You know, this is, this is an excellent opportunity. But I don't think people experience gratitude or get to see gratitude as much as we can show it. We have the opportunity to show it. Sometimes we overlook it and think, oh, it doesn't matter. But that one thank you or, hey, I appreciate you or thanks for doing that or it really helped me out. That one little bit can change a person's whole day. So I would encourage you to reach out in the next 24 hours to sit and really reflect and think of as many people who have had an impact, big or small, on your day-to-day, -day, on your life or whatever else and reach out and say that. I think that's great. A nice little campaign of gratitude. People I find are much more willing and able to give a little bit more when they feel like what they have already given has been appreciated in the first place. So great way to continue to expand the, that positive culture in an organization. Now, what about a mistake? We've talked about lots of steps you have taken to help build a successful company. What's a communications related mistake that you've made? I got about a hundred of them. Where do you want to start? <laughs> Close your eyes, spin the wheel, pick one. Overarching communication when things are not going well. So over the years, I, I've had to learn to kind of dial it back where things, say the week wasn't going as well as we wanted to go, to send a overarching message to the entire team that we you know, have to step it up, that we're not doing as well, where the reality of it is, is everybody's contributing differently. So you don't want to send those overarching messages out to the team because I've learned a hard way that the people that you want to hear those messages don't hear them. The people that should just push them to the side are the people that hear them the most and they have the impact. It has the impact on the wrong people. So when there are instances where a team is not doing well, where it's more than one person. You have to start, I had to start looking into each individual and start having those conversations, you know, and kind of pulling back from doing those overarching messages because it's not good for the culture. It's not good for 
the team's not good for the growth. And another thing too is you, you tend to find that it starts to build deeper relationships with each individual on the team because they appreciate that much, much more than they ever will when you're sending out these large, all-encompassing messages. Yeah, the, the all-encompassing in the sense of the copy all, the whole staff on the to list, at which point it doesn't feel like nobody knows who it's meant for, if anybody, versus is the boss just venting? Is it really me? Is it somebody else? Because I think most people are willing to say somebody else is doing worse than I am. This message is for them. Yeah, and there's so many learning opportunities. You find if someone's not succeeding, recruiter A, B, C, and D, each one of them are not succeeding or might not be succeeding, all for different reasons. So there is great opportunity there for coaching, for mentoring, or possibly to even find out potentially some of the issues that the team might be experiencing that have not been brought forward yet. So I think there's, if you look at that as an opportunity, more so than an issue or problem, I think if you can change that mindset, I know I've had to change that mindset, you're going to learn so much more than you ever will from your team and the people around you. And in doing those, if you, when you are having those weeks, like certain groups or individuals are not performing as well. That's an accountability issue in some ways. So how do you, what's an approach that you've used to address that accountability challenge? Well, first, I mean, once you set the measurables that they have to achieve, it's checking in, but checking in to see how they're doing. How can you help them out? You know, what can you learn from it? What resources or, or tools can you provide for them that they might not be using? So I've had to make those calls and have those conversations, but it's more of questions, you know, instead of assuming, I mean, that's one thing that, that I really had to, I mean, we can assume all day because when I sat in a seat, I think that's a common thing. We go back to when I did it, when I did it, it was this way or that way, kind of like your parents, you know, they walk <laughs> uphill. And when I was going to school, it was always two feet of snow and it was always, you know, several miles. Even though you said, look and say, wait, mom, we, I see where your school's at. It wasn't seven miles away. It was two blocks. But we can't compare it to when we were there. That's not fair because each circumstance and situation differs. And the world is constantly evolving. And it's unfair for us to sit and assume that because we did it or I did it in a certain way, this is the way it is now. So that's why it's key to have those conversations and, and really understand where that person is coming from, what struggles they might be experiencing. Sometimes at some points, it's not even a struggle within work. Sometimes they're dealing with struggles at home that they don't want to bring forward. So, you know, it's key to have those conversations with an open mind and ask a lot of questions and be prepared to be surprised. That's the beauty, isn't it? When you ask the questions, you you can anticipate what kinds of answers you may hear. But boy, I, I'm constantly surprised at the answers that I actually get. And it really changes the solutions, obviously, that you're going to need. Is it about patience? Is it about resources? Is it about support and modeling? There's a million different ways to go when you do understand, rather than, to your point, to assuming. And in building all of this, Peter, if somebody in the organization now wants to move up into a more senior leadership role, since obviously you've built quite a large company at this point, and you're no longer a two-man band, as they say. Aside from technical expertise, what's one skill that that person would have to demonstrate to you and why? Works well 
with others. So one skill that is just above all key is being a leader without having to have the title. When I see someone that others are just attracted to, like a magnet, they just want to be around this person. You know, they say, wow, you know, and it's not because they have the secret sauce. It's, it's just because they feel appreciated. They feel valued and respected in the day to day. And they know when I'm working with this person, it's a win-win. It's a win-win. Like it's an ultimate respect back and forth where I feel like I'm learning something from this. And, and that person makes me feel like they're learning from me as well. So when you see people like that, it's a very, very, very unique thing. So over the years, as I've grown the company and as we've added new people, I wanted to elevate people. The common thing that I would go to is, oh, individual contributor who's successful, automatically a leader. That's not always the case. That's not always the case. It's the, the people who can help others rise to a level that they normally wouldn't by themselves. That's a unique person. And that type of person all day long is, is someone we would elevate. That reminds me of an expression I heard not long ago called reverse charisma, where it's not just that the charisma you know, can be defined in a number of different ways, but something about that that natural magnetism that makes people want to be around you. But that reverse charisma is where you have the ability to bring out the best in others. So a third parties want to be part, want to be around that person as well. And that sounds like a little bit of what you're describing in that particular leadership quality. I, that is absolutely it. And you can't train that. I mean, it's just such a unique quality when you see people that others are just drawn toward and they'll know it, but they're not cocky about it. They're very level-headed and, and even-keeled. I mean, it, it's an amazing trait. And they don't have to, that, that's not necessarily correlated to extroversion versus introversion. Anyone can have it, right? It's not just about, hey, look at me, I'm the center of attention. There's just something about that person that naturally draws people in, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You do not have to be, they're not necessarily an extrovert in any sense, but it's, it's just that ultimate level of respect and appreciation for those around. Finally, Peter, as another Peter, Peter Drucker famously said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. What's one communication pattern that's had a big cultural impact, whether positive or negative, on a team that you were part of? Start early, as far as culture goes. So I read a book, I think it was called The Power of Moments. And in The Power of Moments, one of the things that they talked about in the book was having an impact early with new employees. So we immediately put it into practice. And when we were in the office, the first day when they joined us at the company, the first day, the entire day, we would bring the entire staff out to say hello and have a 15 minute like bagels and introduction to make sure that that person, that new employee did not feel like a stranger. Because prior to that, the typical employee would come in and be in training or work with a manager for a few weeks, up to a, a few months, and they would never meet the rest of the team. So they're walking around the office and they don't know anyone there and they have to get to know the people by themselves along the way, which can be uncomfortable. 
So we put that into practice. And when COVID came about and we had to go remote, we continued that practice. And now we do it via Zoom, where the first day at one o'clock, the new employees get to meet me and my partner, Gene. And we spend a half hour with them. And during that time, we allow them to ask any and every question that they want. And we say hello. And, you know, it's a great intro and it's great face time to, to get to, to see the new people as they, they come aboard. But then at 1.30, or then we then pull the entire staff onto the call and the whole team's on to say hello. And the new employee introduces themselves to the team. And then they go out into breakout rooms and they meet their whole region. So that way, as they come aboard, you know, they feel like they're part of the team from the beginning. Structured introductions, I I would imagine, are hugely important and probably a missed opportunity for a lot of organizations. And it's funny, as you mentioned, that for organizations that aren't having a specific allow me to introduce you to these people in a set context or environment where that is the function of this, to introduce you to others, and it's just just to leave people on their own to then make the introductions and introduce themselves, most people won't because it's kind of like going to a networking meeting. Most people, no matter how confident you are in your technical expertise in some networking organization, event, association meeting, whatever it is, are going to stand there with their cup of coffee and their bagel or their cocktail or whatever it is and look around and go, I don't really know how to introduce myself to people. I, I, I'm not really comfortable initiating the conversation. I mean, if someone comes up and talks to me, okay, but otherwise I'm just going to sit here and maybe stare at my phone and check my email and try to look busy and as opposed to looking socially awkward. And it's, I don't know what it is that in those contexts, we all turn into that inner seventh grader again and just sit there in the corner of the gym during the dance, hoping somebody else asks us because we don't really want to go out and ask somebody else. It's just very bizarre. So to provide that that context where the purpose is to introduce that new person to everybody else so that the ice has been broken for them in a way that is, and now, you know, there are always going to be people out there who are like, no, I don't want to be the center of attention. And okay, you know what? You have to deal with everybody's personal differences one way or another, but somehow to take the hand and make the introduction for them so that there's a, you're on a first name basis with anybody you need to be in regular connection with, I would just think would be really helpful to grease the skids in the onboarding program and help with integrating that person into the culture and into the community of the organization. Am I hearing that correctly? That is correct. That is correct. It's it's had such a big impact. Now, it, it's a shame that we don't get to do the bagels anymore. The bagels were always great. I mean, they were always a win, you know. But everybody would come out and they would mingle and they would say hello. And you would just see the faces of the new new people and they would just kind of lighten up and, you know, kind of feel like, oh, okay, you know, it's, it's not this scary company or I'm not going to be just with the training team and not know of anyone. And you see a lot of relationships and it, it, it was really cool to see because you see relationships develop right there from the beginning. Yes. Yes. You figure out who you connect with and that's always just an easier start to know that you can pick up the phone or send an email later on and actually know the person you're writing to as opposed to having everything be blind, cold introductions on your own in the beginning. Great tip. Great tip. Hopefully people can figure out how to do a little bit more of that virtually as well. Peter, our time has flown by today. How can people learn more about you and the Jonas Group? Well, they can visit us at www.jonasgroup.com and they can certainly find me on LinkedIn. Terrific. 
And so thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your experiences. Thanks, Laura. This has been great. And to everybody else out there, as always, thank you for listening in. If it's your first time, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and all the other usual suspects so that we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.